This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy web show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with the doggy diva with a double E. I'll tell you all about her and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com, hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink with a pet parent, a dog trainer, an entrepreneur, a dog person, a wino, a former Texan, a current Miamian, wife to Sam, super mom to three-year-old human named Jack, dogma to three very lucky dogs, catma to a cat named Cheddar who doesn't like to be touched, a big city girl that dreams of buying acreage in Georgia. She's the owner of the largest dog training company in Florida, Doggy Diva with a double E, D Holt. Welcome, D. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. This is fantastic. I have my wine. It's a great <laughs> night. Um, couldn't ask for anything better than letting my husband put my kid to bed. <laughs> yes, yes. Let the husbands put the kids to bed. Mine are, mine's downstairs, so we're two hours behind you. So mine's downstairs doing snack and uh, prepping dinner and dealing with all of that while I'm here awesome. having wine with you. Awesome. So I you're in Miami, which is my hometown where I was raised. I was there from when I was three until I was 18 or 20. I can't remember now. And uh, it looks like it's a breezy, beautiful January night in Miami. It is. Um, we've had quite a bit of cold weather, as you know, by Miami standards, which means below 75. <laughs> um, so it's been quite cold the last several weeks. We've had a pretty cold winter. And uh I think if I had to gauge the temperature out here without cheating, it's probably 68 or 67 right now. So had to bust out the pink sweater, you know, the one of four sweaters that I own. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. It's great. That is awesome. Before I go any further, anybody participating in our drinking game tonight, every time you hear this word, the secret word is Jack. Make sure you take a drink of whatever you are enjoying, but be 21 or over to drink. Make sure you are not drinking and driving and always drink responsibly. So what are you drinking tonight? So I am actually drinking Sutter Home Merlot, which is one of my two staples in my home. 
I buy the little box with like the six individual glasses of the Sutter Home because my husband is not a wine drinker and my mom is not a drinker either. So it's just me and I have no one to drink wine with, especially now <laughs> because of COVID. So I found myself this, well, this year and then late in 2020 switching from my staple, which is usually my um, Menage a Trois Red Blend which I could yes. share with everybody to my single serve uh, Sutter home Merlot. <laughs> yes. Yes. I yeah. feel your pain. I remember those little bottles of wine when I was single because I wanted to have wine, but I didn't want to waste a whole bottle. So yeah. I remember my, my husband's a wine drinker. So long as it's the wines he likes. So tonight <laughs> I'm actually sharing wine with him. I'm having a Sauvignon Blanc and, uh, it's delicious and it's an insider tip for you. I'm pretty sure that Kirkland, because this is a Kirkland Sauvignon Blanc, puts a Kirkland label on a Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc because this is a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. It tastes a lot like Kim Crawford, but it's way cheaper. So just so you know, maybe you can do a taste test, but I'm pretty sure I'm onto something here. <laughs> so awesome. insider tip, when you go to Costco, Get the Kirkland, yeah, Kirkland Sauvignon Blanc. It's absolutely awesome. And Chris is enjoying it. Maybe not, hopefully not too much because he's got the kids <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. So cheers. Thanks for being cheers. on the show. It's so absolutely. nice to finally meet you. Yeah. It's nice to have a glass of wine with somebody. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the whole point of this show is that it. we, we get to call this work, right? Yeah. Yay. So you and I have a mutual friend. So you're living in Miami. I grew up in Miami. The reason I know Dee is because we have a mutual friend who went to high school with me, but is also in the pet care industry. So I know a little yes. bit about you, even before you told me all about your family dynamics, because I always interview my guests before I interview them. But I've heard a lot about you. And I've heard that you and our mutual friend Flavia Birdie of Equipaz Pet Services in Miami, you guys share some wine every once in a while or before COVID you did. We do. And actually, I was going to say probably the only person that I've had wine with in 2020 was Flavia because she lives in my neighborhood. And um, she's one of the few people that I've gotten the pleasure to continue seeing regularly as we, again, kind of isolate from people because I've needed some extra runs for my dogs and other things. So, you know, yes, she's my professional that my company not only recommends to a lot of our customers, but she's my pet sitter as well because I trust her wholeheartedly. So I've been lucky enough to get to see her and of course, Tom and uh, have some sushi and wine in a social distance patio setting. So that's been nice. <laughs> that is awesome. When I was in Miami for a while, um, in 2018, she and I had a weekly date and we usually did Indian food, but it was way Ooh, before yeah. COVID. Yeah, it was way before COVID and we had so much fun and we always talked shop and it's basically kind of like the idea of this show, but we're doing it virtually. So thanks for <laughs> joining me. I always start the show with a game. And because I know you're the super mom to Jack, you're three-year-old human, and you have three dogs of your own, and you've probably trained thousands of dogs at this point. Mm -hmm. Yep. Correct. Yeah. So I want to play <laughs> thousands. So I want to play dogs versus kids. And I want to okay. know who is easier to train on certain behaviors. I already love this game. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even started yet. And I love this game. All right. So <laughs> first one, who's easier to train dog versus kid potty training dog, <laughs> dog, 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 a hundred times over. <laughs> All right. Next one. Who is easier to train dog versus kids sharing with others? Mm, I think that's a tie. 
Yeah. They both, they're yeah. both bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just depends. You know, I mean, I guess it comes down to early socialization and training, but I'd have to say both equally as hard. Okay. Next one, respecting personal space, dog versus kid. Who's easier to train? Dog. <laughs> dog for sure. Really? That gives yes. me comfort because I'm having a personal space issue with my toddler and my baby. Oh. He oh. like he like either beats on her or like squeezes her real hard or like grabs her cheeks real hard and I'm like is this normal? So I guess oh. little kids have a hard time with personal space, huh? Yeah, I mean, I find it difficult to keep my son off of me, mm -hmm. um, you know, but then again, you kind of like it. It's like that double-edged mom sword, right? Like, you love that they're all over you, and you can kiss them and hug them, but then you're also like, okay, I've had enough, like, time to go, time to go where you gotta go. For sure, I totally hear that. All right, dog versus kids, who's easier to train in regulating their emotions? Hmm, that's a tough one, because at some point, children are going to grow up where mentally the dog won't right so if we're saying dog versus toddler then i'd say dog but then there comes a point right where humans as a species are easier so, so i don't know i think probably dog for a little bit and then it switches to human very good i love that insight all right next one dog versus kids who's easier to train in polite behaviors Ooh, um i think it's a tie actually yeah it's a tie because i have no hesitation in telling expecting parents when i'm giving my dog and kid safety lectures at a couple of our local hospitals here that training your kid needs to start like from birth like as soon as they can see you and they're aware and their vision has kind of sorted itself out that's when training your human has to start so i feel like using my dog training techniques i've have my son trained pretty well and I find that it's the same, you know, he's really polite, he's very aware, but I'm also a very proactive pet parent, and I'm a very proactive human parent. And I think that plays a big role in success on both ends. So I actually think it's, it's exactly the same. It's equal, not any, not any harder, not any harder, one or the other. <laughs> Very good to know. Obviously, I did not do a very good job of starting training the toddler early on enough. Early. Because, yeah. yeah, because I'm having, and and we have the dynamic of the jealousy with the sisters. So, like, gotcha. I don't know. I think my dogs were easier to train in polite behaviors, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I used to use hot dogs to train them, and I can't exactly give hot dogs to the toddler um, <laughs> as treats. Uh, all right. Last one. Dogs versus kids, who is easier to train in using their indoor voice? Mm. Um, uh, I guess dogs. Yeah, I guess dogs. Dogs, because small humans really don't develop impulse control till they're like between nine and 11. So dogs. <laughs> yes, I love it. And the reason I'm, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this so much is because I have all these questions and I know that you have the perspective <laughs> of a dog trainer sure. and a parent. Yeah. So how long have you been dog training? So I've been dog training since I was a little girl, but I claim professional status starting in 2006. That's when I really decided I was going to go down the path of becoming certified and being a professional um, dog trainer and um, behavior consultant. But I uh, actually today, I wish I could have brought it to show you because I, I have it right now. And it's just like right over there. I was going through some stuff in, um, in my dad's shed in their backyard. And I came across the original newspaper clipping from 1987. I was five years old. 
Okay. And I, I'll send, I can send it to you in case you want to. Oh my like, gosh. I would love to later. see it. Yes. yes. And it's me and my dog, babe. And we're on the front page of the community section of like the Austin American Statesman because we won a pet tricks contest. So I've been training dogs since I was about five and I've always loved doing it. And I thought it was so much fun to train them all sorts of tricks. And um, it was a hobby until I decided to be a professional at it. But yeah, I've been training dogs a long time. Were your parents dog trainers or was that just kind of something that happened? I think it was just something that happened as a result of being an only child. You know, I didn't have any siblings to play with and we had quite a bit of property in Texas. So lots of space to run around and you know, responsible pet ownership has come a long way. So my parents even were, they're part of the statistic, like where you don't get your dog spayed and neutered, and then they have a litter and then you have like 10 dogs and it's a 10 dog party, you know, so that was like my childhood with all these dogs. So I had a big audience to train (laughs) to a variety of things. and, And it was just fun for me. That is so interesting that you should say you were an only child because the only other dog trainer that I've had on the show, my former business partner, Beth Wary Acker, who has been a dog lover forever, is also uh-huh. an only child. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that was like her playmates were yeah. the pets in the house. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had a lot of pets, not just dogs. I had my dad never permitted me to have snakes because he didn't like snakes, but I've had everything <laughs> birds, gerbils, uh, iguana, gosh, turtles, everything growing up. That's, that is so cool. That is so cool. So do you think that being a dog trainer has made you a better parent? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I think parenting as far as the care that you give children comes naturally and instinctually, right? Like I think every mom or parent worries that when they have a kid that they're not going to know what to do because there's not a manual and you hear that a lot. And so a lot of it is instinct driven, but no doubt having trained the amount of dogs that I've trained using positive reinforcement. And that's really the the differentiating factor, right? Because if I was a trainer, at least I believe this, that was a bit more heavy handed or still using traditional methods, I don't think my parenting journey would be going as well as it's going. And so the fact that I train the way I train for as long as I've trained is what's made me a very effective parent so far. I, I truly do believe that 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 knowledge of training and behavior in positive reinforcement and operating conditioning has equipped me to be proactive and, and get ahead of the game with training Jack. <laughs> so that's amazing. No, it's true. You know, I'm not a dog trainer, but there are, obviously I've been in the industry for a really long time. And there are moments when I'd say to my husband, it's like dog training. It's the yeah. same thing. Like yeah. you can't yell at a child who's yelling. It's just like yelling at a dog who's barking. It we're right. now we're all yelling and it doesn't make any sense, right? Right. And I tell the time, now we're all barking and you're all just barking at each other. Like what are you yes. even accomplishing? <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Right. So you've kind of given us a little bit of a perspective, but if you could go into a little bit more detail, how do you find parenting similar, uh, both dogs and children? Sure. I mean, I think to be a good dog trainer, right? And even a good dog owner with a training mindset or a training lifestyle, you have to learn and train your brain to be one step ahead. And especially with children, right? You have to, in that split second, be able to assess the scenario and be five steps ahead to create the result you want. And so the fact that I've had that much practice is why I don't find parenting difficult. I don't find myself in moments where I'm conflicted, like, I don't know what I should do right now. It just comes immediate, immediate. But that's because I've trained so many dogs and it's the same. Like, there's a behavior occurring, right? Let's Mm -hmm. just talk about Jack. So there's a behavior occurring. And in that moment, 
what I say next is going to make or break whether or not we have a meltdown or I can resolve the issue, right? And I've got to calculate, okay, what's the behavior that's occurring? Why is it occurring? Why is it occurring? What motivations are at play here? Does he want to go outside and swing? Is he cold? Is he hungry? Does he want my attention? Like you've got to be able to assess all the motivators. Same in dog training, exactly the same in dog training. And you've got to be able to do it so fast that for a kid, the words that come out of your mouth make an impact, right? Like make the impact that you want. And I think that's what's hard. Like, you know, you have a three-year-old and I think every other parent listening to this can can understand it. But your word choice to small humans is so important because if you say the wrong thing, you just steered the behavior a whole different direction. That is the key. It's like you have to think five steps in the future of how this is going to go to be able to steer it the way you want it to go. And it's the same with the dog. Like if I don't want the dog to chase the squirrel in that moment, I have to assess what needs to happen right now to prevent that behavior from happening and then know what rewards I have available to say, oh, great job. Thanks for not chasing the squirrel. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. So my next question is, how is parenting different? How is parenting different than training a dog? Well, um, a dog can't talk to you. (laughs) So that's the biggest, uh, I think that's the biggest difference. Um, Once you have a dog trained, right, it's trained, and there's not going to be any change after that. You know, you hear the comparison a lot, like the smartest dog is still not any smarter than a two or three year old child. And I definitely think that's true as far as their intelligence level and kind of where where they are and what they're capable of, like dogs emotionally, cognitively. So once the dog is trained, you're done. That's it. And a human, on the other hand, is in a constant state of evolution and growth. So you could have your human trained in the phase you're in right now, but you still got 15 years to go. (laughs) So that's an evolution, you know, and with that in mind, of course, like you need to set a really good foundation because your training journey is so much longer as a parent compared to a dog, which if you start at eight weeks old with a puppy, I would say you're pretty much done by the time that that dog is 13 or 14 months old with foundation training and manners. So you know, and that's if you're a busy person, right? Like maybe you could get it done faster. But me personally, I have some, how old are they right now? Like 15 or 16 month old dogs, like my two border collies, they were baby puppies in August of 2019. And I feel like just now I'm like, oh yeah, like they're awesomely trained. And it kind of just happened because it was like a little bit every day, a little bit every day. It's not like I'm like, I'm training them now. It just happened, right? right? So it takes about a year to train a dog organically, a little bit every day. and definitely different because the human's going to take longer and it's going to disagree with you. Not that dogs can't disagree, but it's not the same as when, you know, kids learn to play on your emotions. And that not only has a biological impact on us as parents because they, and they're not manipulative, but they can pull at your heartstrings. So it's like a whole other dogs can't, maybe some people would say they can, but I would say dogs can't play to your emotions the same way that your offspring play to your emotions (laughs) as a parent like that's tough it's tough to overcome sometimes it is yesterday I almost tripped over one of Noah's toys and I was kind of keeping it together because it hurt and I really wanted to yell but I was trying not to yell so I said to him you really have to be more careful with your toys and he looked at me and said just walk around it (laughs) he's three and I was like excuse me uh 
Uh, yeah. But he's my offspring. So like, this is why he has a sass mouth because I do. So he probably learned it from watching me. And then I would say, actually, Noah, that's a great observation. Like <laughs> you're correct. Like I should have been more careful where I was walking and I should have walked around it. Like actually, Noah, you're a genius. Like thanks, Captain <laughs> Obvious. Obviously I should have walked around it. My bad. Like and when I think about the answers that three-year-olds give you, like give us, right? As parents. They're freaking brilliant. Like, it's just they so, are. it's authentic. You're like, oh, be more careful. And they're like, well, you be more careful. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's exactly how the conversation went down. And I <laughs> guess we'll call we'll call him brilliant for lack of a yeah. better word, for sure. <laughs> okay, so I want to dig in deeper to find out what you do for families who are looking to adopt a dog. And we're going to do that sure. as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Covered in pet hair. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez Arada, and today I'm talking to Dee Holt, who calls herself the doggy diva with a double E. And by the way, it took me a really long time to actually catch why it was D E E V A. And then I was like, wow, that's perfect. And it really, it was just because I saw it written. But when you even said to me over Messenger, it's with a double E, I was like, okay, that's cool, whatever <laughs> she wants. But then I realized it's her name. So, yes. Yay. So Dee, I was told that you help families as a consultant when they're looking to adopt a pet. So I want to play a second game with you. And I want you to tell me right fits. Okay? okay. So when you're looking with a family for the perfect pet, what you would recommend for each of these situations. Ready? Ready. <laughs> perfect. All right. Right fit. What is the ideal pet for a family that is expecting a baby? None. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy? Don't get a pet when you're expecting a baby. Actually, my friend, my friend last night who's a rabbi is like, he was just telling me some jokes and he's like, uh, that's like the worst thing you can do, right? Like, I'm about to have a baby. Let's get a puppy. Like, no, let's not get a puppy. Um, yeah, I'd actually say none. Like, I really don't advise that. Have your baby, start your family. And I think once you have a toddler, that's a fantastic time to get a puppy because we do want to get our puppy or kitten for that matter, socialized with our child. And so it is important that we have a young dog to raise with all the sounds and the noises and the touching and just the enthusiasm that comes with uh, toddlers. But I think it's just people get in over their heads if they try to get a pet at the very beginning of parenthood. <laughs> 
So I guess it's a it's a common theme because again, the last time I interviewed a dog trainer, she said the same thing. Puppies <laughs> are the best thing to start with when you have young children because they're going to be more amenable to the craziness that is a young yes. child. Yes, absolutely. And it and the thing is, it's difficult. Like that's very difficult to do. And I think it is it's a big undertaking to raise a toddler and a puppy at the same time. But as far as safety to your child in the long term, you have to do it. You have to do it. If you're going to have a family dog with your kids, it benefits you to suck it up, buttercup, and raise the puppy with your kid. Yeah, that's hard. But don't do it if you have a toddler you're expecting and then you get a puppy. That's insanity. Don't Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So what is the ideal pet for a family with a special needs child? Oh, that's a great question. You can't go wrong with a retriever. I really, as a class of dogs, I would say any of the retrievers, they're just, they have such stable temperaments. When you think about what they were bred for, they're, they're meant for hunting, right? And uh, so they're not noise sensitive, right? They're not noise sensitive. They're not touch sensitive. They're not really that temperature sensitive. Like they're just not sensitive. They're very stable. And so they can handle a special needs child, especially. So retrievers, I feel like you can't go wrong with in a home with special needs. And I would avoid herding breeds because they tend to be a bit more easily stimulated by noise and movement. And it's just, it's not a good idea to, in my opinion, to mix herding breeds. But remind me, did you, are we talking about dogs specifically or pet dogs, right? Pet, any pet, but I mean, obviously you're the dog expert, but if you say dog's not the best thing, then what would you recommend? I love bunnies. I absolutely love bunnies. I think more people should experience having a bunny if they're not yet sure they want to jump into having a cat or a dog. And you can get a large enough bunny that it's not so fragile. But bunnies are so intelligent. I actually, I train a lot of different species. So I love training bunnies and they're very emotionally connected. They bond with their people very deeply. You can litter box train them. So I think if as a parent, you have a special needs child and you maybe don't want to commit the time to a dog or a cat. A bunny could be a really good choice. So don't overlook bunny. That's very cool. Okay. So ideal pet for an empty nester. It just depends what their activity levels like and their lifestyle. You know, I do think cats are excellent companions. You know, I, I train cats as well and I have cats and if they're socialized early, they are lovely. A lot of people have this misconception that every cat like hate strangers and like hides under the bed when people come over, but you get those behaviors because the cat wasn't socialized properly. But a very well socialized kitten is a very confident cat that is social, approaches people, can ride in the car and go to the vet, like isn't stressy, right? Cat's definitely easier than a dog. You don't have to walk it. So I think there's an age component there too, but an empty nester, like maybe a fresh empty nester, their kids just went to college. Maybe they're still young enough that they want to keep up with a dog. So in that case, I would say it's up to you whether or not you wanted to get a puppy or maybe a a rescue or an adult dog. But I typically recommend an adult dog because then you don't have to deal with the puppy phase. Yeah, the puppy phase is not fun. I'm not a puppy person. I love an old dog. Um, And to me, like the next time I have a dog, I have three right now that are older. But the next time I have a dog, I have a feeling it's going to be at least seven and it's going to be a smaller breed and it's sure. going to be somebody I can a dog that I can travel with so that travel I travel with know. absolutely yeah and I'm not an empty nester obviously I have a three-year-old <laughs> and, a, and a 10-month-old it's going to be a while before that <laughs> happens all right so how about the ideal pet for a graduate student Ooh. well if their landlord is cool then I say take advantage of the fact that you're young and active and can keep up and 
you're a jogger runner, get yourself an active dog. You know, like I know there's a lot of rescue groups out there that are always really hesitant to place a rescue dog with a college student or a graduate student. I've had my own nonprofit rescue for about three years now, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, you're in your early 20s. Let's do this. Like, (laughs) because by the time you get to 40, you're probably not going to be, you know, everyone's different, right? Flavia is still jogging, is happily jogging around the block, probably right now while we're on this call together, (laughs) right? With a dog somewhere and she's rocking it. Um, But, you know, I don't have the stamina anymore at 40 to want to be jogging, (laughs) like exercising, exercising, exercising a dog. Um, So I think an active dog is great for a graduate student, but they have to have an off switch. So that when that person's in class, the dog can just chill. And that's something that a rescue group could tell you or a breeder could tell you, you know, um, you want an active dog, but one that also knows how to self-entertain for the times you can't be there. That's awesome advice. And actually, I was a really good pet parent at 24, 26, whatever. I was so dedicated and I, because I had the time and I know that Titan, my old guy is probably wishing we could go back to those days when he was my (laughs) main focus, you know? So yeah. it's definitely a good time to, to, I guess, take on that responsibility. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Awesome. Okay, last one. Ideal pet for someone with mobility concerns. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think a pet that's low maintenance in terms of care. So cat, bunny, a bird, if that's your thing. I mean, as a hobbyist, I've had a saltwater aquarium for a long time. So that's a good pet too. You know, I love a good reef aquarium and you can always hire someone to maintain it for you if you're not able to do that mobility wise. So I think you've got a lot of options on that front. But yeah, unless you have a really chill dog, maybe an older dog, a dog may or may not be the right fit for that person. But um, cat could be great. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, uh, I know many, because I used to be in the pet sitting industry, there are many pet sitting services that will go scoop litter boxes for people with mobility issues who would clean cages and such. So I'm sure there are aquarium experts that will go and do this. <laughs> sure. Aquarium. Absolutely. Okay. So thank you for playing that game with me. I think I learned a lot actually. So I'm, <laughs> I these games because I think they're fun, a fun way to learn. Yeah. Stuff. So tell me how adoption consulting works, because as far as I, I'm concerned, I never considered that an option until Victoria Stillwell shared on her page, who Victoria Stillwell, if you don't know her, she is a British dog trainer who used to have a, a show uh, called It's Me or the Dog. And she has a training academy now. And sh- I follow her on social media. And she shared that an article about adoption. And she shared that we should find a consultant, a dog trainer that does consulting for adoptions. And I had no idea that that existed. So how does that work? Sure. So um, I do what's called family pet selection. That's what I call it, right? So um, whether you want to adopt a shelter dog or shelter puppy, or you want to purchase from a breeder, if you happen to learn that that's a service that, you know, professionals do, which most of us do do. So definitely ask like anyone listening to this, find a trainer in your area and ask if they do family pet selection. We can go with you to the shelter. And I do this all the time. Once I get to know the family, I know who all the players are. I know what their schedule is like. I know what their activity levels like. 
And I asked them what, you know, what is it that you want to do with your dog? What does that life look like to you? And be honest. And it's okay if you're so picky and you have like this, you know, I want to know that because with my 15 plus years experience and behavior and training, I need you to be really detailed so that I can make a good match for you. And we will literally walk through the shelter. Um, you know, they'll book me for like a 90 minute behavior consult, pay my normal rate as if I was training a dog, right. To meet them there and do it. Any dog that interests them, they say, Oh, I want to meet that one. We'll take them out. We'll go into the play yard together. And I'll basically just assess that dog live for them. And if I feel like there's any red flags there that I'm like, you know, this could be problematic based on what you're looking for, then I am there on the spot to say, yeah, you're nay. So they can pick any dog they want from the shelter based on appearance, which is what most people do, right? They walk around, they go, oh, that one's cute. I want to take that one out. And then I either say yes or no. <laughs> so with me there, they can narrow down the pool of shelter dogs that they want to pick from or rescue dogs they want to pick from. And then the decision's really up to them because unless I say no, then they can pick whoever they choose. So they still get a lot of choice. Is that 90 minute consultation enough usually? Or do you need multiple ones if there's just not the right pet at the shelter that day? Yeah. I mean, if they don't find the dog they're looking for, then they could, of course, hire me again to go back out. But I also have clients that they get a lot of education from me being there with them that they don't need me to go back out the second, third, fourth time they go look for a dog because now they go, oh, yeah, like the fact that, you know, I was touching his body and he shied away. That's a negative indicator that he's going to, you know, enjoy hugging from my children. Right. Right. Like, so I provide enough education in that 90 minutes that they may not need me to go go again with them to be able to determine best fit. That's amazing. And so do you ever find in that 90 minutes that you were able to find a good dog potentially, but that the family was not really ready for this commitment? Has that ever Um, happened? No, I mean, we definitely have found dogs like in the first consult where people are like, oh my God, I'm in love. And this is the one. And I'm very proud to say that I don't think I've ever at least not been made aware if anyone that's hired me for that service has had to surrender their dog for any reason. Like, I mean, when you're dealing with a behavior consultant that has a decade or more experience, I would hope at that point, they know enough to be able to know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, so, so I think we have pretty good, you know, pretty good success and and people know what they're getting themselves into. And I've even had people call me like for my, you know, my rescue group for my dogs that I end up having to tell them, I would love to have you as an adopter someday, but I don't think now is the right time. And I've had adopters that that are great and accept that and then contact me in a year's time, you know, so I will also be honest with someone if I don't feel like now's the right time to get a dog. And that could be because they have too many small children, you know, to look after. And I just don't think they're being realistic with their time. Or maybe they have a senior age dog that I think based on what they've told me about that dog is going to be too annoyed to have a younger companion, you know, so So yeah, I mean, it's not, not every person who contacts me for that service is going to be a good fit for that service either, because I just don't think they're ready. That's perfect. That's amazing. And I really, do you mind telling me about how much that service costs just so that our listeners can kind of get an idea of the value involved? Sure. I mean, depending on your area, because prices of dog trainers vary, right? Depending on your area, like my rate here in Miami is $250 an hour for consulting. But I would say, depending on where you are, you could be paying anything from $85 an hour to maybe $175 an hour based on who you get. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it's you're going to the shelter, you're spending your time there, you're taking time away from all your other clients. So, obviously, it's it's a premium service, but this is a huge commitment, right? So it's a 10, 12, 15, 18 year commitment. 
So it's worth the 250 to $400, whatever you may end up spending, because you'll get the right pet, according to somebody who's studied the science and who has studied the behavior and knows what red flags to look for. Well, and then you won't have to spend that money in behavior modification training. Like even with my own, because that's very costly, right? So a professional like me, I'm credentialed in behavior consulting, which is different than obedience training. Like there's different types of dog trainers, right? And I'm all of it just based on the length I've been in the industry and what my own goals were for my own certifications, right? So I kind of have one of the higher level certifications to be able to deal with some pretty serious behavior. So with that in mind, if you end up adopting a dog from a shelter sight unseen and you're like, I love that one because he's yellow and I'm bringing him home and it's great. I mean, it could cost you thousands and thousands to hire someone like me to try, to try to help your family fix it. And I hate to use that term, but like, you know, that's kind of what we're dealing with. Right. But you could spend 250 to 400 bucks, like you said. And based on my experience, I could say, yeah, you're not going to have to do any behavior modification with that one. Go take a $200 obedience class somewhere. And you are like, you're set for life, you know? Amazing. That's so good. And that is noted because I'm going to do that the next time I'm in the market for a pet. Most, most dogs just find me. Most pets just find me. I'm that person that they just show up at the door. But if ever I proactively seek out a pet, I am going to call you and consult virtually because I know you do that. So tell me, how can our listeners and our viewers, how can they get in touch with you? And do you work with people virtually? Sure. So my company definitely works with people virtually and I will I will do virtual consults again for some higher level behavior cases that maybe need my expertise. So I'm never, I'm never above, you know, with my time and resources, getting on a zoom call with somebody and their trainer, right. That might say, Hey, I really want a more experienced behavior consultant to help me with this case. Like those kind of things I I am willing and happy to do. So I have an Instagram account. It's doggy diva with a double E D E E V A. So D O G G I E D E E V A. And if you follow me there, you'll see my dog tips and my kid and all the dogs that I'm raising for people because I do puppy raising. And then, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook too. I have a public profile. So people are always welcome to follow me there. Private message me if they have a question. I do my best to respond to everybody in a a timely manner. And I'm even happy to help people find professionals in their area if they don't know what they're looking for and they just need me to help them find the right person near them. Awesome. And what is the name of your company in Miami? If there's anybody local to the area? Sure. It's called Applause Your Pause. And we're located in the Bird Road Warehouse District, which is just east of Tropical Park off the Palmetto Expressway. That is my old stomping grounds. I grew up right <laughs> off Bird Miami. Road. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. My house was on Bird Road and 67th Avenue. Oh that my was gosh, my childhood yeah. home. So you could, uh, you could throw a rock at the applause, your pause canine training center. Yes. <laughs> and actually my dad had a warehouse in that same similar area. So mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with your area. So thank you D so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I know you had to move mountains to be here because <laughs> as a mom, that's what it takes to have a moment to yourself, to have a yes. drink with a colleague. So here's to you for all of your expertise, all you've shared with us today. Here is cheers. to our ex- cheers to you. Cheers, Woo-hoo. cheers, cheers. And here is to our executive producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible to our viewers on YouTube and our listeners on Pet Life Radio. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Cheers. Cheers.
Cheers. If you want to learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, please visit CoveredInPetHair.com or PetLifeRadio.com. Thank you for watching and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.